afternoon, church. Oh, my goodness. What's going on, church? Good afternoon. It's good to see you all. My name is David. I am the lead pastor at OC Young Nack Church down the street. Well, not really down the street. I don't know why I always think we're so close, but uh, it took me like 20 minutes to drive here. Uh, and it's always an honor and, uh, to share God's word with you guys. Uh, just quickly, I want to give a quick shout out to the media team. I don't know who you are, but man, I was watching the snippet of the clip that Pastor Tony sent me. You guys are going through like the series Refined by Fire, and uh, I was just so captivated. I was so moved. The music coming in at the right time. You guys grabbed Pastor Tony looking like Tony Robbins, like giving this motivational speech. And I was just like, yo, this is fire, man. So let's give it up for our media team, man. That was really good. And if the media team didn't make it, eh, whoever made the video, I don't know. I'm assuming it was the media team that made it. Uh, but anyways, you guys are going through this series. I, I, I think you guys just began. Refined by fire. Now, if you grew up in the church, you know that that just means one thing. It means that you're going through a tough season. Now, as a Christian, Jesus says, you will, fi- you will be uh, finding a lot of times where you will face trials and tribulations. This is not a matter of if it happens, but it's a when it happens. As a believer, when you profess, when you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, automatically something happens. The enemy is going to be against you. Because either you're a child of God or you're a child of the evil one. There's no in the middle. Amen? You're either a child of God or you're a child of the evil. And so when you're a child of God and you profess, I am a believer, guess what? You have a host of demons. You have powerful spiritual warfare that goes on. Now, I don't care theologically where you stand. I mean, I do believe in Ephesians 6 that there is a spiritual warfare that goes on in the heart, in the mind, in our souls. It attacks us. And so I love this series. And so as we look at the Word of God from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, uh, I hope that as we study what it means to pursue holiness... That it can somehow assist you guys as you guys are going through these trials and tribulations. But you know what? Let me do this first. Let's all close our eyes briefly. And I want to ask you a very honest question. I guess if we're going to preach about being refined by fire, it does imply that you're going through a hardship or tribulation. And just so that I know, okay, this will be anonymous unless you have your eyes open, which it's, it's a community of your church. It's okay. I just would like to know, is there anybody in this room that is currently right now going through a trial or tribulation, a hardship? If that's you, can you just simply raise your hand so that I am aware? Thank you for your honesty. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for my dear brothers and sisters who maybe barely made it out to uh, church today. And Father God, uh, they confess that they are going through a difficult season of their life. And God, I just want to reassure them that that is exactly where you want them to be. A place of vulnerability, a place where we don't know what the future holds, a place where, God, we can trust and cling solely on your faithfulness. So God, as we look at your word, I pray that you would just speak to us. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to accept the very word that you've given us this morning, this afternoon. And so we thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Church, can I ask you to, uh, if you have your Bibles, can I hear you say a word? Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And I'll be reading 
verse 13 through 16, and I'll be reading from the NIV version. Let's give our undivided attention to the Word of God. Now, it begins with a very important adverb or conjunction, therefore. Everybody say, therefore. Uh, I'm sure Pastor Tony has done a phenomenal job, or anyone who spoke before this, on the first chapter or introduction of uh, 1 Peter. But therefore, and I'll recap very briefly, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That is the word of God for us this morning. Now church, as you guys, I just mentioned that we begin the passage this afternoon with a very important conjunction, therefore, okay? So in chapter 1, the introduction of this epistle or letter that uh, Peter writes, he has pointed out some very important things that you and I should review and know. 1, verse 1 and 2, what does it say? He writes, you are chosen. Everybody say chosen. Not because you're amazing, not because of whatever skills or abilities you have, but simply by the grace of God you've chosen. Just as he has chosen his people, the Israelites, just as he has chosen certain people to lead the Israelites, he has chosen you and I as believers. He has chosen us because he loves and cares for each and every one of us. And so he has chosen us. He has given us a living hope, it says in verse 4 and 5. He shields us, and he has given us so much truth that honestly, with this truth, we should be so satisfied. But in the context that he's writing this epistle to, which a lot of people, uh, a lot of these young believers were probably still uh, in this tension of worshiping these pagan gods, He says, therefore, I've told you you're chosen. You have this living hope that is eternal that goes on and on and on. You have nothing to be afraid of. There is this rich history of believers who have guided you, will guide you, will continue to guide you. And so that is enough information for all of us to say, you know what? Praise be to God. I should be fully satisfied. However, Peter doesn't doesn't stop there. He says what? Because you know all these things, now you live live this way. So this is a call to live a certain way. This is a call that Peter now moves into in verse 13 where it says, now pursue holiness. Set apart. Now when I was younger, and I'd even dare to say even an unbeliever, whenever I would hear be holy or pursue holiness, It was just a set of rules. It always sounded like don't smoke, don't drink, don't have sex outside of marriage. Don't, 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 don't. And every time I would hear this, it wasn't very compelling for a young believer or maybe even as an unbeliever to hear these things because now I'm not really compelled to want to be a believer. But as I became a little bit older and as I matured in Christ, it wasn't a set of rules, but pursuit of holiness was the only thing that kept me sane. It wasn't a set of rules, but I wanted to pursue holiness because it meant something. 
I was learning more about God because God is holy, as we just read right now. And that allowed me to understand that if I am a reflection of who God is and I pursue Him, I am being sanctified. And so it was no longer a, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. I knew the gospel in my heart, and, I, and I'm sure it trickled down to my heart, and I lived it to the best of my abilities. But this is the difficult part. This is what we call sanctification. There's three stages of sanctification, if, I, if you allow me to kind of share this very briefly. When you profess yourself as a believer in Christ, we are justified. Repeat after me, say justified. That means that the blood of Christ has covered your sin. You're saved. It is solely by the grace of God, by faith alone in Christ alone. Amen? Now, you are positionally sanctified, and that's what we call it. Fancy word positional. Because although we are saved, it is positional because we still live here on earth, and we're going to have this tension. It's positional because it's not fully yet complete. And for those of you who are believers in this church, we are now in this place where you may not be positional. I mean, you, it, you have inherited positional sanctification, but we are in this journey called progressive sanctification. Progressive sanctification means, simply put, I'm becoming more like Christ. I'm being more set apart. They don't have Netflix for Christians. They don't have YouTube for just Christian children. They don't have, you know separate things just for Christians. We live in this world. We watch the same movies. We listen to Kanye. We listen to all these different things that are captivating our minds, who are trying to really take really a, 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 a storage of our soul. And as believers, God calls us, he has, he has chosen us to live in this world, yet set apart, pursue holiness. And from what we just read in these four verses, I want to share with you guys three things that I believe are very important that Peter is pointing at as we pursue holiness, being set apart. So what is the first thing? By the way, uh, positional sanctification, progressive sanctification, and the last part is, well, some people call it complete sanctification, uh, where we're completely sanctified when Jesus returns. But right now, we're at that progressive sanctification. Now, I, have, uh, I was looking through my notes, and I read this uh, quote that I really love by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Can I read it up? It's projected up there. It's a little bit lengthy, but I love this. The New Testament calls upon us to take action. It does not tell us that the work of sanctification is going to be done for us. We are in the good fight of faith, and we have to do the fighting. But thank God we are enabled to do it for the moment we believe and are justified by faith and are born again of the Spirit of God, we have the ability. So the New Testament method of sanctification is to remind us of that. And having reminded us of it, it says, now then, go and do it. What is Martin Lloyd-Jones getting at? The work of pursuing holiness, being set apart, doesn't just happen. It doesn't just miraculously happen. You actually have to put in work. You actually have to make decisions to surround yourself, to attend church, to be counseled, to share things that are going to make you vulnerable. It actually takes work for the believer to be sanctified. And that is the whole New Testament calling of sanctification, to be set apart, to be holy. 
Now, I know for those of you who raised your hand earlier, and I'm sure there's probably more of you who are going through trials and tribulations, and I specifically prayed that that is exactly where God wants you to be because it is at those specific moments where the Word of God is probably one of the most sweetest things that can really take captive of your heart. But here's Peter. The first thing that I want to share with you guys as we see in the, the Word in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 13 to 16, as we pursue holiness, do it and pursue holiness knowing that Jesus will return. Do I hear an amen? Pursue holiness knowing that Jesus will in fact return. He's living. He intercedes for us. But there will be a day, it could be tomorrow, it could be 10 years from now, we don't know, only God the Father knows, but Jesus will return. Where do we get this? Peter says it in verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, and set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's talking not about the very first moment that you were revealed unto Christ. He's talking about a future moment when Jesus will eventually come back. And so we pursue holiness as believers knowing that Jesus is returning and there's actually three components to this mindset. When we know that Jesus is going to return, we know that this is not our end ground. We know that when Jesus comes, he's going to, obviously, you know, that's the time when all knee will bow, all tongues will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that no more hunger, no more tear, all these things will happen. However, that gives us a better understanding that, guess what? What right now we're experiencing, the trials, the hardships, the different things that we are pursuing, there's still work that needs to get done. And Peter talks about three things. In this pursuit of knowing that Jesus will return as we pursue holiness, he talks about the mind. He says, prepare your minds for action. What is he talking about? Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 12, renewing of your minds constantly. Why? Because as a believer, it is actually the mind that really, as, it be, as it's being reformed and renewed, that really leads into your action. No immoral person has committed something before ever thinking about it. It was planted in their minds. And so I actually have a question for you. For majority of your time, what are you planting seeds of in your mind? What are you being surrounded by? What type of music are you listening to? What type of friends are you surrounded by? Now, please don't misunderstand me because this could sound very legalistic. Like, okay, you have to surround yourself with just TLC members and you have to just watch, you know, boring movies and you have to just do these. No, that is not my intention and that is not what I'm saying. However, because we live in this world that is darkness, and just as bright light is very, very hurtful for someone who's been in the dark for a long time, the very presence of God with its angels is actually a process as it reveals the very word of God to us. We have to prepare our minds on things that God speaks of through the very word of God. And so what are you really feeding your mind? 
The second thing that he talks about Peter in the pursuit of holiness, knowing that Jesus will return, he tells us to be sober, to be alert. To be sober literally means don't be drunk. But it also has this action to be alert, to actually be aware and conscious of what is going on. Brothers and sisters, there's many times in our Christian journeys, even in our communities here, whether you're part of a life group or a small group or a cell group or whatever you call it in your church, that there's so many people that you're surrounded by whose hurts and pains are just bypassed. We're not aware of the pain of our brothers and sisters. Now, I don't know if this is true about your church, but just recently at my church, Man, we went through a very difficult season a couple of months ago as some brothers were sharing a deep sense of loneliness and mental crisis that they were going through. Some even had suicidal thoughts, and they were able to share this invulnerability with other brothers and sisters. Some talked about the insecurities that they were feeling and they were going through as women. They felt like they could never measure up to something else. You know, married couples, we even went and talked about some sexual relationships. I mean, it got real, real. It got real, real. And as this was happening in our church, we were being alert, we were being sober-minded, and we were pouring our grace upon our brothers and sisters and praying for them and edifying our brothers and sisters. Because as Peter says, you need to be alert, constantly feed your mind with the very truth of the Word of God, and bank in the opportunities where God gives you where you can edify your brothers and sisters. Now, the third thing before we move on to our second point of what uh, what Peter is talking about, he talks about the grace, the grace that should be the very motivation of why we even pursue holiness, knowing that Jesus will return. Where do we see this? Verse 14, as obedient children... Do not, oh, I'm sorry, verse 13, therefore prepare your minds for action. There is the preparing of your minds, being self-controlled or sober, and setting your hope fully, fully on the grace to be given. And so it means that the grace of God should be the very motivation of why you even pursue holiness. You know, um, I love all the unhealthy foods out there. I love Korean fried chicken, I love meat, I love pork, Uh, I don't like salad, I love soda, I love soda, just so good. And uh, my wife, for many years, we've been married over 10 years, dated over 5 years, ever since we dated, she's always told me, it's going to catch up to you, you need to eat healthy. She's attempted many times, one time she made me broccoli pizza, like I was like, woman, are you serious? broccoli pizza like I we got into a big fight because she made this broccoli pizza and I literally said yuck like I was like and she was so mad because she put so much effort and time thinking of my health and so um I hate soup plantation sorry for all of you soup plantation owners when I found out that it closed I was like amen (laughs) praise God No more do I have to deal with the nonsense when my wife says, let's go to soup plantation. Like, no, why? There's no meat there. Like the whole chicken in the chicken soup, that's the only thing I get? Anyways, you see how unhealthy I am. 
My wife has attempted many things. She's thrown away soda in our refrigerator, tried to feed me broccoli pizza. But it wasn't until recently that I started, I started getting headaches. Like I would get up and I'd get really dizzy. And then I would like try to play with my kids and like I would feel so, like I, I start feeling very nauseous, like I wanted to throw up. And then I was experiencing things that I was never experiencing. My health was just deteriorating. And so it wasn't until recently where I decided, you know what? I'm actually understanding how unhealthy I am physically. I really need greens. I need to drink more water. I need this stuff. Why am I sharing this with you guys, church? The better you understand the depth of your depravity, the pursuit of holiness is just a natural outcome. The more you understand how unhealthy you are spiritually, the more you cry out, I need Jesus. The more you understand that spiritually you've gone for many years without having a very vulnerable conversation with a person or even with God, and you go in every week to church and you have just this very shallow relationship with people and with God, the moment you realize the depth of that, the more you go, I need the holiness that comes from Christ and Christ alone. And so when Peter is saying pursue holiness and live this lifestyle, it's not a set of rules. It's a promise that will make you whole. It's a promise that as you pursue God and the very presence of him, because in Isaiah, we don't see Isaiah when he sees the vision of God, when he says, mercy, mercy, mercy. Or he doesn't say, uh, for God is gracious, gracious, gracious. No, what does Isaiah cry out? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And what does he say after that? I cannot even speak. I, I, I am dead. I am literally dead. I cannot say anything in your presence. Why? He's understanding the very toxic nature he's been part of. He's experienced the very shifting and life-alterating like presence of God. And he says, I need more of that. In Exodus, right, one of my favorite stories when Moses sees the back robe of God, you know, like he comes back down that mountain and his face is shining because he saw the back robe of God, the very presence of him. And everybody was like, yo, get that face out of here. It's too bright. When you encounter God and the very holiness of him, it radiates. It moves us. To want more of him. But you see, the longer we are in darkness and the more we're just constantly uh, feeding ourselves with our lustful desires, it is possible that as believers we can be enslaved back into our sinful nature. Did you know that? The moment we continue to feed the lustful desires over and over, we actually enslave ourselves back into this sinful nature. The only difference is that an unbeliever is enslaved by nature because that is, uh, it is enslaved to sin because that is their nature. But as Christians, we are enslaved contrary to our nature because in reality, we are actually free. 
We are actually free, but we enslave ourselves back. And so this pursuit of holiness is very, very vital and important for our growth. Second thing, pursuing holiness. If the first thing Peter says is, as you do it, knowing Jesus will return, <clears throat> we see in verses, uh, verses 14 and on that we pursue holiness through obedience to the Father. Obedience to the Father. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. We pursue him because Jesus is going to return. We know that our minds have to be alert, be sober, and it is the grace that motivates us. But not only that, he says, as obedient children. Now, for those who have children here, you know that children are nothing. They're the complete opposite of obedient. Okay? They do not listen. But my, my kids, I have three. Jake is eight, Everly is five, and Sienna is a year and, and, and a month. And, and they cannot be, and they're so different from each other. Jake, he's got this mild OCD. I tell him to do something, he'll do it. He always asks when we leave the house, did you close the door? Did you close the garage? And all these things. My daughter, though, my five-year-old Everly, sweet, sweet Everly, I'm walking on eggshells every day because of this girl. When I have to talk to her, I have to say, honey, um, are you okay? <laughs> like, is right now a good time to talk? Because I can come back later when you're feeling okay and we could talk, you know? She, she's got me wrapped around her finger. Not out, of, not out of choice. This is like years, five years of just like, uh, just trying to deal with her. And Sienna right now, she's a year and a half, so she has absolutely no idea what's going on. But every kid is different, but we see, I see a reflection of each kid, Jake and Everly and Sienna, of Esther and myself every single day. And you know what? God looks at us, and you and I are created in the very image of him, and of course he's going to see himself in each and every one of us. And as he sees us, we by nature as his children want to listen to our parents. Because we know that within this relationship of dad, mom, and I am the child, there is this security. In the Bible, it's called faithfulness. It's called God has never failed you once. He always delivers. And so we obey God because through history, the Bible tells us he has never failed me. He will never fail me, ever. Yet you and I, like my second daughter, Everly, want to be rebellious. We want to seek after the quick the desirable things that are going to get you cavities. My daughter will hide Oreos under her pillow. I literally, she's chewing gummy bears in front of me. I'm like, what are you chewing? And she's like, it's nothing. I'm like, what? We took her to the dentist the other day. She has like eight cavities. But it's a reflection of my parenting, though. It's not on her. It's my parenting. 
But with God, it doesn't work that way. He is just. He is love. And there's a mystery to how that, can, that, that nature of God works. But yet he looks at us as his children and he says, I've never failed you. I've never failed you, TLC. Tell me one time I have fallen short of your expectations. I've never done that. Peter says we pursue him as obedient children, motivated by grace because he will never fail. Amen? Third and lastly, as Peter shares, how are we to live now with the knowledge of what we have, pursuing holiness through learning more of God's holiness, verse 15 and 16. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, Peter took this from Leviticus, right? He said, God is holy, and so you are to be holy because God is holy. And I shared earlier in my sermon that when you're a young believer, that seems like just a set of rules. But honestly, as you become closer to the presence of God and you understand this progressive sanctification, and you obviously are being filled with what the Word says, you realize that pursuing God and His holiness, and you learn about His holiness... It's actually the only thing that will keep you sane in this day-to-day life. You know, there's so many voices in our day and age. There are so many lustful passions that are ready to market themselves before you. And maybe a lot of us here have already consumed. We've fallen prey to the markets of whatever it is, be it wealth, be it the sexual desires of your heart. And maybe some of us right now are going through the very trials and the hardships. And I'm going to just assume that some of us are going through that because maybe you're uncovering some of that. You're sitting down and you're realizing that actually there's more toxic waste in your soul than you thought. And that's going to take some time to really bring before the Lord in complete honesty and vulnerability. And some of you here, it may not even be that, but maybe you're going through that trial or through a hardship because of, again, the brokenness of this world. Just four months ago, I had to deal with three of my former students who passed away because of tragic accidents week to week to week, like three weeks. And going through that season was probably one of the most painful seasons that I had to go through. One of those students was one of, the, one of my most beloved students that uh, I, I had the privilege to really pastor back in Diamond Bar. Freak accident. He just jumped off a cliff into a lake, and he never came back up. He, like, was constantly asking, Pastor David, do you need any help? And he was always the one who smiled. And his mom, who is the sweetest deacon lady in the church, I just couldn't imagine the pain that that mom was going through. Two other children, one killed himself, Patrick, because of just years and years of just mental crisis. 
and maybe it's not so much your own real, realizing and you're experiencing something as, as maybe it's out of your control, right? It's out of your control and you're going through this realization that, man, only Jesus can bridge this void. Only Christ can really bring shalom to this hurt and pain that I'm experiencing. But church, it only does so as we draw near in pursuit of his holiness. Remember, Martin Lloyd-Jones says it himself, it doesn't just happen. It tells us to go and do it. To actually pursue it, knowing that Jesus will return according to 1 Peter. Knowing that we are going to be obedient as his children. And we should be obedient. And third and lastly, when we understand the very holiness of God. There's a reverence when we come and worship our mighty and holy God. And so this afternoon, church, I want to reassure you. That if those of you who are going through that fire, to not only pursue knowing that Jesus will never fail you, God has not once done that. But it is as we pursue him and we experience the radiance of his holiness, that our own holiness grows and matures. And we're able to edify simply our brothers and sisters as we also grow in that. And so, church, can I invite you to simply close your eyes at this time and pray with me as we just close this. You know, I don't have an extended time of ministry. I actually have to go get running to another, uh, back to my church right right after this. But I just want to give you one opportunity right now to simply pray this. God, if I could be honest about some of the lustful desires in my heart. God, if I could be honest with you right now with the pain, the searing loss of somebody that I've, that I've dearly loved, the brokenness that I'm experiencing in my family, the financial instability, or maybe even, again, my own reality of how depraved I am. If you could just simply be honest with him for the very first or second or third time and allow the very grace of God to not, to not only move and shape you, but to completely transform you at this time. And so can I just invite you to pray simply wherever you are? We don't need any music, but just simply as you pray Um, I'll go ahead and close in prayer for us after just a few seconds. Let's pray, church. Father, you never fail. And it is your faithfulness that leads us, Father God, to once again the joy of experiencing Father God, once again, the very love that you provide and give. Oh God, I lift up TLC to you and its leadership and its members. And ask God that pursuing holiness would not sound like a chore, but it would be a journey 
a journey, God, where we are being filled with the very presence of our loving Father. God, where we experience your grace over and over again. And Lord, at times you, you, you charge us, you call us into action, Father, maybe to cut away certain things, to abstain, Father God, from certain things as well. But God, ultimately, solely for the pursuit of you and the very presence that can fill us and make us whole. And so, Father, as um, TLC continues to go through this series, to be refined, God, we ask that, Lord, we would be honest, that we would be honest with you and we would bring to the table the areas in our lives that truly indeed need to be refined through your word. And, God, when we go through that process, I ask for brothers and sisters in this community to be alert, to be sober-minded, to cover our brothers and sisters with love and grace. So, Father, I thank you for this afternoon. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.